It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And all. Well, welcome to the last podcast of the year. This is Stephen Brandt of the Yellow Carded Podcast, brought brought to you by Global Scarves. And next year is going to be a lot more fun. Chris and I have been talking about it off air, and once I can actually do- divulge into some of the news we've been talking about, you guys will be really interested. Um, a lot of good things that are going to be coming up. And I was just thinking this, and you you haven't listened to the the backlog of this, Chris. But last year, this the Christmas vaca- the Christmas podcast that we did was with was with Keith Kokinda, Eric Westover, and Vanessa Valentine. The only reason why I bring all that up is a none of them are on anymore, and b I'm the only podcast host that's ever gotten a f- fellow host lost in Compton on air. <laughs> okay, Vanessa was going between practices because she's a soccer coach down in um LA and misses the turn to practice and turns off at Compton Compton Long Beach as she's on air with me so needless to say this is going to be a lot more relaxed this year um we're going to talk to Chris Kennedy of of the Houston Dynamo I, I want to talk to him about the about their club because it's a it's intra it's an interesting club and hopefully hopefully he can make it this week he had some he had a meeting last week and hopefully within the next five to ten minutes he'll call in and we can talk about everything about about the Houston Dynamo anyway I also do want to alert people there is a book out there called Pride and Travel it's an it's a Manchester City Book. I was actually given to it by the author Daryl Webster. I want people to go out and buy it. It's it's a really funny book about a guy following his dream, trying to have a pint and watch a game at pretty much all the supporters supporters clubs around the world, like Gibraltar, Iceland, Isle of Man, Chicago. And some real, it's a real interesting book. And since this is Christmas time, I always ask for at least a couple soccer books. And if you saw what my, what I'm sit, sitting next to at my desk at my dad's place, I have a stack of books next to me. So anyway, um, I saw Chris before we get um, Chris Kennedy back, back on you, you had an article out about the Colorado Rapids this year. And, it was a difficult year for them this year. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I, I, I want to touch on that, but um, b- before we get into that, Stephen, um, just just a couple things to let you know and let our listeners know. I've got a uh, a college head coach. Head coach. He's with a large university that's been very competitive, lined up for next year. Haven't figured out the date yet. I've also got a head coach from a PDL club 
that's willing to come on the podcast and talk, as well as a uh, academy coach from an MLS soccer team too. So, uh, trying to line up a few bits and pieces, and and I might actually even try to see if I, we can get some somebody from overseas in England. But uh, that'll that'll take some different logistics given the time zone. But yeah, um, I did touch on uh, Colorado. Uh, you know, it was interesting. I I try to stay away from getting into the uh, direct impact of individuals influencing teams. But but when it came to looking at Colorado, I couldn't ignore the statistical differences in team performance with Drew Moore on the pitch versus Drew Moore off the pitch. Um, you, you know me, I'm, I'm not an individual guy when it comes to comes to the players on the pitch but so so you've had a chance to glance through it what were your thoughts there Stephen? you know it was interesting colorado is one of those franchises that i'm gonna be blunt i've never understood why it exists in the in there but they always seem to have a group of players that play well together i mean oscar perea had a bunch of young players come through and they shot through the new silverbacks coach Gary Smith won won a cup with them and it seems like they started out this year not knowing what they wanted to do they waited until like the, the second before tra- they had to kick off the season before they named Pablo Masterini the head coach and Pablo didn't want to be the head coach and they had a horrible year just things spiraled out from underneath them. Was that a case in your looking through of changeover of coaches and a player, because Pablo had just retired literally like two months before of getting his, his feet wet. I mean, they should have had a better year. Um, You know, I, that that's a good question and probably a lot of different ways I could answer it. I think I think the first first way I'll answer it is is one you know he, he's got a lot of knowledge uh Masterlini uh but you know leading a soccer team as a coach is different than leading a soccer team as a player on the pitch. Um you've you've not only got to think about the game but you got to think about everything else that goes on outside of the game. Um, and most of the time, players don't get involved in, in a lot of the logistics that go on behind the scenes. And, and I'm sure he had he had plenty of support from his staff. But um, you know, I, I didn't see them play a whole lot this year. I, it, and I think I probably saw them play just three times, you know, against the Portland Timbers. And I and I don't recall exactly what the results were of those matches offhand, but. You know, when when you look at at Colorado as a whole, you look at their they were minus twenty four in their goal differential, I think, in away games. Uh, that that's huge, and and that you know that doesn't speak to the loss of just one individual player. I mean, that's through the course of the season. That speaks to me, and you know, this might be a little bit brutal or a little bit harsh, but that that speaks to me as the wrong tactics to play the opponent in away matches. Um, so, 
So, you know, whether or not Mastroini can turn that around with with a lot of changes to his squad, I'm not sure. Um, I don't think the answer is just Michael Harrington. As a matter of fact, I don't even know if he's a, an answer. Um, to be honest, I mean, he was pushed out as the starting fullback at Kansas City, and then he was pushed out here in Portland as a starting fullback as well and replaced by Jorge Villafania. And and so, you know, he, he went on their protected list when when he got traded. Uh, but, you know, when you look at fullbacks, okay, he had a tryout with the U.S. men's national team, but it didn't last long and he didn't get a call back. So, so there's something about his... What did uh, Precky say when I talked to him the last time? He said there's something about his mentality that's probably not there. And that's not to say Michael's a bad guy. But but there's something that's just not there, and he's moved, been pushed out twice before. So I don't think he's the answer. Um, they, they got rid of Marvell Wynn, who uh, I think San, Diego, San Jose picked up, um, who I thought was probably – a legitimate right fullback. I don't think he was a good center back, but um, and Drew Moore. I think he's still inactive now. I have no idea when he comes back. Uh, but but the flip side is Stephen on the attack. You know they they were horrible in attack, and and the statistics prove it out um, throughout the entire season. So so I think you're right. There's there was just a whole mishmash of geez. I'm not too sure kind of what's going on with the Colorado Rapids. And with uh, Sporting Kansas City and in the newly led Houston Dynamo coming in with Owen Coyle at the helm, you know, the, the Western Conference is going to be extremely brutal. And, you know, I think if if I had to pick the bottom dweller in the Western Conference this next this next year, I'd say it's Colorado. I just don't see them anything good good uh, hopefully hopefully it's never going to be portland again because i i'm sick of i'm sick of watching mls playoffs and not having a team to follow i mean i loosely followed la this year because of landon but it just it's just weird to watch the playoffs in any sport and not have a horse in it but and that, that's what's sad about colorado i mean that's a weird organization i mean the guy that owns Arsenal owns them. Their arena, well, their soccer pitch is out in the middle of nowhere, and that's a good that's a good so that's a good area for sports. It's just like one of those. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna hold that later. Um, Chris actually welcomed. Chris actually brought this guy to my mind. Um, and I want I want you to take the lead on this. Um, Chris Kennedy is online, online with us. Welcome to the welcome well, to the podcast, Chris. Well, thank you very much. Good evening. How are you? Good. Uh, Chris, this is Chris. Uh, thanks for joining us. I appreciate you uh, taking time out from your holiday preparation and the uh, probably the the continu- continuing wind up of the Houston Dynamo getting ready for next season. Um, cool. Well, happy to join you. I hope you don't mind me uh, joining you from the checkout line here as I do my final bit of uh, Christmas shopping. <laughs> uh, don't mind at all. Um, my my checkout line was Amazon.com this year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, 
But hey, hey anyhow, uh, congratulations uh, first off on signing Owen Coyle. Uh, certainly has pedigree, and and you know when when I read the article on MLS soccer, you know my thinking wasn't his pedigree with the English Premier League. My thinking was his pedigree with the Championship League, um, because from from my background, I kind of see those two, the Championship League and MLS soccer, as being more on par. And and to win that league or to get into the playoffs and then get promoted to the Premier League certainly shows significant capability and leadership and the right tactics to win to win games on a regular basis. Can can you add some some thoughts for our listeners about Owen Coyle that they might not have already read elsewhere? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean we're excited to have Owen and uh I think uh what you just said is is very important. You know, he's a manager that uh has great experience at uh, both the English Premier League and the championship level. I think they're both uh, relative to what we're trying to do here with the Dynamo and in MLS. Uh, probably the greatest attribute about Owen is uh, not only is he a great person, but he's a great leader. He brings high energy uh, to uh, to the table, and uh, he has uh, the ability to get the most out of his players and get the most out of his teams. And uh, I think being an MLS franchise where you have to work within a salary cap and uh, you can't always just go out and find the best players, uh, having that quality is important. So, uh, you know, Owen's someone who's excited to work with young players and development, uh, work within our means here as a, a sort of a mid-market type team in Major League Soccer, and bring us back to glory uh, to the days when we were winning championships and uh, among the, amongst the elite teams in MLS on the field. Uh, that That's really good to hear, especially when uh, considering you guys now are moving back, I guess, to the Western Conference. You'll have to forgive me. I don't have a lot of... Uh, historical information on MLS. Only followed it for about four years, but but in coming back to the Western Conference, along with Sporting Kansas City, uh, it, it, my own view is that the level of soccer is going to go up considerably, uh, especially with the likes of Portland, who didn't even make the playoffs, uh, as well as LA, Seattle, etc. Can can you kind of speak to how? The organization is planning to move ahead. I I see that you're you're keeping your your uh, assistant staff. Did, does that also include the academy staff and and the the regular processes and procedures that you have behind the scenes to support Owen? Yeah, listen, you're going back to the Western Conference is going to be a big challenge for us. It's a stacked conference with L.A., Seattle, uh, Real Salt Lake, Dallas, Portland, now Houston, and. Um, uh, Kansas City going into the fold. So it's going to be a real test for us and the other teams in the league. It just speaks more to the matter of how we need to be more efficient and effective in, in running our club and doing our business uh, and being smart and getting the most out of uh, everything that we can do. Uh, we'll be bringing in you know, strength and conditioning coach, a sports science program, you know, trying to make sure that uh, we're getting the most out of our athletes, preventing injury, um, and you know, maximizing uh you know, their bodies as they go through a very long MLS rigorous season. So there's a lot more uh, coming into play here as we evolve and advance as a club. Uh, and that's what we're going to need to do to be able to compete with some of these great teams here in the Western Conference. Uh, thanks for that, Chris. And, and you know, I mean, statistics is my pet peeve. So uh, I don't know, you know, that's good or bad. I mean, I'm not a believer that statistics tell you the answer, but they're certainly one of the key parts is as far as leadership goes and reviewing how things go. So with res- with respect to, 
to the performance standards for the players, will that also include bringing in a, a little bit more uh, technical know-how uh, just based upon the statistics of the game uh, relative to the per- performance, like, for in- instance, passing accuracy, uh, short passes, long passes, et cetera? Yeah, uh, Matt Jordan's our new general manager. He joined the team uh, back in uh, early to mid-November, and, uh, you know, that's one of the things that he preaches and harps upon all the time. And so uh, you always have to use your eyes, I think, but uh, you want to have as much uh, data at your disposal uh, to be able to make those decisions alongside with your eyes. So we'll be using uh, not only the sports science, but using all the data and analytical tools that we can uh, that we can activate with, with the resources we have uh, in order to allow our coaches to make these decisions on players and their performance, not only the ones that are on the team, but the ones that we're looking to sign. So, um, again, we're, we're really evolving. We're trying to take our technical uh, operates to a whole other level, and we think that we need to in order to be competitive in MLS as it becomes uh, a significantly stronger league. Yeah, absolutely. Now, in your in your role with with Houston, um, is there any kind of hedge betting you can do with respect to the collective bargaining agreement that's coming up? Perhaps a the consideration that allocation money ceiling might go up or the number of DPs might go up or the number of international slots might go up. Is is there anything that you can kind of offer us that gives us a picture about those three different uh, areas of concern? Not really. I mean, we, you know, we have to, we can't hedge our bets and assume that anything's going to change. Uh, we got to go about our business as though it's uh, business as usual and status quo. So, you know, as we plan and prepare for the future, uh, and the future being uh, 2014 and training camp, which is less than a month away, uh, you know, we're operating, you know, internally under the same exact rules that, that existed in the past. That's the only thing we can do. Uh, if, if, in fact, something changes with regards to the CBA, uh, that gives us more flexibility and uh, and opportunity, then we'll, we'll address that at the time. But I think probably most of the teams are operating under the same situation right now. So I guess, is it fair to say that, that MLS really isn't prepared as a franchise to identify when a change in the CBA might actually be etched in stone? Well, it's, uh, you know, the collective bargaining agreement expires here uh, coming up. And I know that the league is working with the players union on, uh, on a new deal, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, we're kept away from those negotiations, which I think is a good thing. Uh, the less the less people that know about those things, the less people can comment on them in the media and, uh, you know, potentially impact those negotiations. So uh, the league keeps a lot of that hush-hush. And, uh, again, we're, we're sort of – we just operate day in and day out as those things are normal uh, until further notice. Okay. Well, that's, I appreciate you uh, offering up that information. In, in getting back to the squad itself, I did read a few things on, on soccer.com, and they talked about um, identifying some, some positions where areas needed to be strengthened, in particular center forward, uh, perhaps a few wingers uh, in the midfield, and perhaps some strengthening in defense. When when you go about building the team and, and 
and this is I don't know if this is even a good question, but I mean, how soon are you looking to put together the remaining pieces of this puzzle, given spring training is so close? And, well, and I'll give you an example. The the Timbers were were pretty quick in their transactions. They they signed four players within a matter of uh, 145 minutes or whatever it was one day. A lot of groundwork behind that. But um, in preparing for training camp, how close do you think you're going to be to having your full squad? Well, um, I don't think we'll be all the way there. I think uh, ideally we'd be maybe 80% of the way there. Uh, keep in mind the, the massive amount of transition that we've gone through in just the last uh, seven to eight weeks. You know, since our season ended, our, our, our only head coach in the history of the team moved on. Uh, we've gone forward and signed a, a general manager and Matt Jordan and a, and, a, and a head coach and Owen Coyle. So those two things really became the priority, um, even over signing players. So uh, you know, now that we've got these guys in play, it was two weeks ago today that we announced Owen, we're really uh, plowing forward with the sh- how we want to, uh, you know, shape the team, the vision, the plan. So um, we are probably a little bit behind compared to other teams based on that change. I think we're the only team in MLS that went through a head coaching change this off season um, and bringing in a, a general manager at the same time. So we've got a lot of work to do, but I can tell you that Matt's been outstanding since he came in here and uh, he has a great, uh, scouting network worldwide, and he's immediately brought to the table a number of great options on players that we can look to sign. And uh, I am very confident in saying that, that if you're a fan of the Houston Dynamo, you're going to start to see some of those signings being announced um, as soon as possible here. So um, things are coming together. We'll get there, but we won't be all the way there at, on uh, Jan 23 when we report to camp. Well, thanks for the for the update there, Chris. I appreciate it. Steven, have you got any questions? Yeah, I've actually got a couple, Chris. I, I, I'll admit I'm also a Portland fan, but one of the things I've loved about seeing you guys on TV, seeing Dynamo on TV, is the atmosphere seems fun. There's different teams that have their dip, different kinds of atmosphere. Houston Dynamo, when at your stadium, you just seem like it's a big, fun party. I mean, what can you say to our fans, our the listeners, about the game day experience at your stadium? Well, BBVA Compass Stadium, which is uh, not even three years old yet, is an outstanding 22,000-seat downtown soccer-specific stadium. Uh, it's uh, When you're inside the venue on game day, it feels very much like a, a soccer stadium that you could be in uh, almost anywhere around the world, in Europe or South America, it's it's tight, it's close. Um, the environment is spectacular. Uh, we've got great support here in Houston from our fan base. Uh, you know, we've grown exponentially, even though we're only nine years old. Um, and it is a great time, to your point. Uh, I think, you know, calling the experience fun is a simple but uh, appropriate way to uh, – to talk about the experience of going to a Dynamo game. And, and being downtown is very helpful, too, because, uh, you know, there's there's bars and pubs around the stadium that people like to uh, to uh, visit before and after the game. And there's the street. It's a lot like Portland, actually, where there's a lot of people out in the streets around the stadium uh, in a downtown fashion around the game. I think that adds to the whole experience. 
could this, could this be something? And I've I've noticed that I've heard people from Philadelphia and New York talk about the different how the city impacts the games. How how do I mean? How does just Houston impact the Dynamo? I mean, I, Houston's a very fun. My dad lived in Houston in the '60s and still swears by Houston. I've got I got a lot of friends down there that still swear. I mean, how, how does like the city of Houston make it a better experience? Because I'm just fascinated by that because I live in Buffalo, New York, and we don't have. I mean, I've got six MLS teams near me, but we don't have the atmosphere in any of them that are kind of like what you guys do? Well, that's a great question. And, you know, Houston, by the way, as you may know, this is one of the fastest growing cities in the United States. The economy's booming here. Uh, there's a lot of development going on and construction going on. Um, companies are moving here. Young people are moving here. It's, it's a very vibrant, uh, exciting place at this time. And I think the Dynamo, in that way, represents the city. When When you look at Houston... Um, you know, 50% of the marketplace is Hispanic, uh, which, you know, obviously bodes well for being a, a professional soccer team. Uh, and also, uh, you know, there's a very, very large uh, segment of the population that's, his, that's international. Uh, you know, Houston is the oil and gas energy capital of the world, and many of the businesses here uh, have international operations, meaning that their employees and their customers uh, come from from Europe, Asia, South America, South, you know, Africa, uh, wherever you might be, where, where football, soccer is the game of choice. So um, when the fans come to the stadium and they see the quality of the play and they see the quality of the experience in the stadium and they realize it's like home, wherever they're from, uh, it's, it, it helps win people over. You, you know that you, now that you mentioned that, I wanted to ask you about Owen Coyle. He was, he was the head coach at Burnley. And they were the smallest stadium in the Premier League, nineteen thousand. And you know it's up north, and and it's mm-hmm. a small town, and it's always battling with Manchester for for uh, for the press. Um, how, how did Owen first take his first view of the stadium and and the city itself? I mean, it's such a uh, I won't say it's diametrically opposed, but the but the environment of Houston is so completely different than Burnley. How, how did Owen take to that? Well, you know, Owen in general is a positive person and, and sees the, the bright side of things anyhow. Um, but it was easy, I think, for him to see the bright side of, of, our, of our facilities here. He toured the stadium and toured our training facility and was, was really blown away by it and, you know, understood right off the bat that, that from a facility standpoint we have – uh, we have things that that are uh, top notch as it relates to uh, things on the global scale. So he loved the stadium. He can't wait to to get out there when the when the crowd is roaring and the house is full. And he realizes that what we have from a training perspective is on par with uh, a lot of teams in the English Premier League. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, I, I can imagine because uh, I lived in England for nine years, so. Um, I, I can imagine, I haven't been at Carroll Road and Ipswich Town, that that there's a big difference in in the uh, the newness of the stadium. So so one thing I hope you guys are never going to do, I hope you're never ever going to change the color of your uniform. 
Are you guys going to always remain forever orange? One hundred percent, absolutely yes. I mean, uh, we've we've built our brand around the color orange for nine years now, and uh, it's a wonderful color, and that's uh, great to go to MLS All Star Games or Cups or whatever it might be, and you can see a Dynamo fan coming from miles in that orange jersey. Um, if you're at a sports bar and there's a soccer game on, and you see that orange jersey, you know it's the Dynamo. Um, so well, it's, it's either that color. or Holland. That's correct, if you're watching the World <laughs> Cup or international soccer, right? So but it's a great color. And, you know, I, I've talked at length to the people from Seattle, and they you know, they chose that color green uh, along the same lines. They saw what, what, what the uniqueness of our color did for us, and they saw green being able to do the same thing. And I know that Orlando City has done the same thing with purple. So, uh, you know, who you are as, as a color is very important in, in soccer. Yeah, and, you know, in my short experience as a youth head coach, um, we had purple. And we had purple, I think, for the same reason that the Dutch have orange and you guys have orange, and Seattle has the the, the rave, although I'll call it puke green, given where I live. But um, it's because players stand out on the pitch um, a lot easier in a in a color that's so completely different than the than the color of the color of the grass so i you know i've always kind of been a fan of uniforms that were not green uh that that always stood out um saying that obviously the port and timbers are green but there you go um steven have you got any more questions yeah i, I was i was looking i was looking online and you, texas is one of those one of those states that is, is really starting to turn out the academy type the youth type of players i mean Yes, you guys. Yes, you guys are known for Clint Dempsey. I mean, I, I've noticed that you guys are trending more towards a younger roster. I mean, what, what can you say about the the academy and what bringing up players in this kind of newish MLS? Well, you know, I think having an academy that is properly producing players is essential in Major League Soccer going forward. You know, some teams have been more successful at it than others in the early going. Um, each market, I think, has its own set of challenges and advantages. Um, here in Houston, we've signed uh, now six players out of our youth academy to uh, professional contracts. Uh, we just announced our latest uh, last month in, in Memo Rodriguez, an 18-year-old mid- midfielder. Uh, our starting goalkeeper, Tyler Derrick, came out of our academy. Um, and we're close, I think, to signing at least one or two more players. Uh, having the USL Pro in place now is important uh, because it's going to give these players an opportunity to to develop at the uh, third division level where they don't have to feel like they, uh, they jump from 18 years old right into the first team. Uh, most of them aren't ready for that. So... Uh, you know, producing homegrown talent is, is absolutely a necessity going forward. Uh, I think we all need to, to see that and realize that and probably put more resource into it um, in order to ensure that talent from uh, within our own uh, tar- our own markets is, uh, you know, is, is signing and playing for the, the hometown team. Well, what, what I, I saw you guys, you picked your USL pro team with the Charleston battery. What, what, how was how was that connection? I mean, I know that connection is just new, but you guys picked a really interesting organization. What can you tell the people, our listeners, who don't really know the battery that well? I mean, how about what the, what this connection is going to be 
for Houston? Well, the battery is a first-class USL Pro franchise. We've had a long-standing relationship with them. Over the years, we go and play in their tournament uh, pretty much every year. Um, we've played them in uh, Open Cup contests before. We've gotten to know them quite well. Uh, wonderful stadium in a, in a lovely town. Great people that run the franchise. Uh, people that you, you want to have your players uh, working with. Uh, trustworthy people. Uh, but just a great opportunity for us to work with them. We've signed a one-year contract. Our intentions are to be like Portland and Seattle and, and the Galaxy and other teams and to have our own USL Pro, pro franchise as early as uh, 2016. So uh, we'll see how things go this year with Charleston. And, uh, and we have our eye on uh, you know, having it under our own umbrella in the future. Hey, Chris, do you have anything else to add? Uh, yeah, a, a couple questions. And one of them gets back to USL, but but it kind of goes in a slightly different direction. And if, and if you want to pass on this one, that's okay, Chris. But, um, you know, in being around the academy here with the Timbers and talking to, to head coaches in soccer for, for college versus, as a matter of fact, I even had a chat with, I think, your academy director, though I don't recall his name, uh, this past summer when Bayern Munich was up here in Portland. Um, how, how does the organization balance the U16 and the U18s with respect to college. And and here's where I'm going with that. Um, you know, Barcelona, uh, I mean, that's the pie-in-the-sky vision, I suppose, for most organizations. But even some of the other English Premier Leagues that aren't quite as uh, fanatical about their, their academy all the way down to U8, U10, etc. How, how do you balance um, the college issue with respect to USL because you're really looking at players that are of the same age. It, it, yeah, well, listen, I think uh, if you look at baseball, it's a good parallel. Uh, there's a lot of very, very good baseball players coming out of college, I'm sorry, out of high school, who have to make a decision at 18 whether to turn pro and go play minor league baseball, you know, A-league somewhere. Um or or go to college on a scholarship to play baseball. And we now we are starting to get into the position where we can offer that same choice to a, a kid who's coming out of our academy at that time. So uh, if you're 18 and you're, you're good enough to sign a pro contract and uh, go play pro or even if you're great, skip that and come right to the first team, then that uh, – that opportunity is going to exist going forward and, and, and families and players will have choices. Do I, you know, take a, a full ride to North Carolina or Virginia or, you know, UCLA, you name it, or, or sign a pro contract to go, um, you know, into a, an MLS side. So uh, it's an option. It's a choice. And I don't think it's a one size fits all choice. It's going to vary from, from individual to individual. And, um, you know, we obviously respect whatever choice a player would make at that at that time, uh, based on what's best for them. Excellent. That's uh, I I like your your analogy, um, especially with respect to the minor league baseball and in the choices for the for the players. That's that's superb. Um, I hadn't really considered that myself. Um, they, I'm the only other thing I've I've got Stephen and and unless. 
you've you've got another question is is I'd like to thank you, Chris, for joining us, um, especially during the holiday season and and as I've come to find out, this is probably more of a busy time for for the organization as a whole as it is probably during the regular season when when you got a little bit of downtime. So uh my my thanks to you, good sir, and my best to you and your family and in the Houston Dynamo as as the season begins to take shape. Will will you be down in Arizona for training camp again this year? Uh the team will. Uh, the the club will be there. I I doubt I'll make it out there. But as you, to your point, the off season is a very busy time, and uh, so much going on as we try to prepare for uh, getting things underway in early March. So uh, thank you for having me on, and uh, happy to give some time here and uh, and talk about the Dynamo and Major League Soccer. Yeah, no problem, Chris. Thanks thanks for call, thanks for calling in, and have a have a good holiday season. All right, you too, guys, and to your listeners, and uh, thanks for uh, helping us promote our league. Yeah, Absolutely. No take care, good sir. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Oh, that, that was a lot of fun. I mean, we, we've – I've kind of always been interested in Chris Kennedy because he's one of the few outside of Merritt Polson who actually embraces talking to the fans. I mean, Merritt is fun to talk to, but he's – a little out in left field sometimes. I, <laughs> the, I, 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 I appreciate it with Merritt. Chris just seems to be very professional and really like what he's doing, not trying to stir the pot. He is what you see. Yeah, and, you know, it, it was really refreshing to get some good answers to what what I thought we, we offered up as, a, as some pretty reasonable questions. There wasn't any uh, any shirking of, or or dodging on on some of the tough questions, I think. I mean, you know, I I can understand where there's a bit of tunnel vision with respect to the CBA, um, but I think he's probably playing close hold, and rightly so, given it's yeah. a franchise and you've got the players, et cetera, that that are on one side and the franchise is on the other. But but that you know, especially with Houston, you know, I don't think I see that as much here in Portland. Uh, but with a, a huge metropolis, well, metropolis is probably the wrong word, but a huge city like Houston, um, the the development ground, you know, pool of players has got to be significant in in that city, and you know, with the addition of of their USL side, uh, and I'm glad you brought that up, by the way. Um, the the Charlotte Battery, right? That's what they're called. Yeah, I'm Charleston. Charleston, that's it. Yeah, um, you know, I think that's going to play a huge role in, and I hate to say huge, but I'll say, it, I think it's going to play an inordinately large role in seeing soccer get a better ground uh, development kind of process, kind of like with Major League Baseball. Yeah, you know, I and I, I think I think I think soccer media gets this view that there isn't that development or the people playing of the country. You're in Portland, you could probably attest to it. There's there's enough academies and people playing because of the Cascadia region. You guys have been playing pro soccer since the 70s for God's sakes. 
So uh, there's a lot of good. I mean, even with me, I mean, I'm coaching in Buffalo, New York, not exactly a hotbed for it. Well, anything other than um, chicken wings, but I love that about Buffalo. (laughs) I I literally, as no joke, the, the listeners know this. I am walking distance to the original anchor bar, to the to the original anchor bar here in in well I'm not in Buffalo but I can take I can do this show on a walk to the anchor bar. In fact, if I could figure out how to do it on a remote, one of these days I'm going to do the darn show from the bar at Anchor Bar. But anyway, no, I found it interesting because Houston's one of these franchises that. Kind of like them to like an Aston Villa. They're they're there, they're good every so often, but they're never truly horrible. They have a good foundation, and they kind of know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, they weren't Chivas horrible. They weren't yeah. Montreal horrible. But you know, there. I think I think there was the time for Dominic Kinnear to move on. And, you know, it'll be interesting, actually, you know, I've kind of picked Colorado as being the doormat for next year. I'd, I'm wondering how uh, San Jose is is going to take shape. You know, I think they've, they've just had a flurry of signings of players off the re-entry draft, both Phase 1 and Phase 2. And one of the few teams that I think had – you know, larger than normal activity with respect to that those phase one and phase two reentry drafts, and you know, I don't. Gosh, I'm, I could see San Jose being second bottom. I don't. I don't. You know. Well, anyhow, back to back to Houston. Yeah, they, they had a bad run this year, and and their away games killed them, completely killed them. Um, and I think that's where the tactics of what Owen Coyle has learned playing at the championships league, playing in the championship league, as well as playing in the premier league is, is probably going to make a telling difference. Um, and, and it might not show in the first five or six games. I think as Chris alluded that they've got, uh, there'll probably be about 80, 80 to 85% probably prepared by the time the season starts, um, but it should be a good show for the for the forever orange folks, for sure, um, and should add significant entertainment value to the Western Conference. Which I know you're on the Eastern Coast, but uh, certainly the best soccer I think is is out here in the Western side of the United States. It, most people would agree with that if you, if you think about where most of the cups have come out of they've come out of the they've come out of the west i mean yeah you have dc united in the east but they haven't mattered worth a darn in about six years because they haven't they haven't figured out what this new what this new is but hey they finally got their stadium deal passed i mean you've there are people that haven't been following this league long enough to realize that Long before Beckham came, they were still trying to get a stadium deal. They were playing in an arena, in they were playing in an old football stadium that Pele played in. 
Pele hasn't played in almost 40 years, folks. They were playing in <laughs> RFK. Think about that. No other league would allow that. I mean, imagine imagine the um the championship allowing Ellent Road to fall apart, allowing Leeds where Leeds play to fall apart and not fix it. I mean that that's just put it's that's where it was and the fact that they've got something helps helps that out. I mean I hope that we see the next upturn and with Gaston Ramirez possibly being re-signed with Portland today. That we oh, see you Portland Gaston Fernandez? Up. Yeah. Well, I didn't see that, um, but then again, I've not really paid attention to Twitter a whole lot today. That literally, I um, oh, Jamie's, oh, Jamie Gutenberg, I forgot what her oh, last name is. Jamie Goldberg, oh, okay. Well, she tweeted it, yeah, but I don't follow her. I don't. Yeah. I don't follow the local press here at all when it comes to the Timbers, only because I get I'll get press releases anyhow. Um, and oh, and I'd I don't, love, I'd love to get and, press uh, releases from anybody. That that would be fun. Well, you know, see if you can latch on to to one of the football clubs uh, within your your six football club area, um, and see if you can get onto that. There's, uh, I mean. I, I mean, you know, I'm not being facetious, but since I get the updates, I I don't I don't really have the blinding urge to tweet something early that says oh X is signing with Y or something like that, and and that's probably more down to the fact that since I don't focus on individual players that much, mm-hmm. I'm more about looking at the team as a whole. You know, one player, okay. That that's good, um, but I guess you know, Gavin Wilkinson did a podcast with somebody else here in the local area, and they purposely set that up so that Gaston Gaston Fernandez's contract would not be uh, signed before the list had turned in. I don't know if yeah, you knew that. The, or not. Yeah, that was the guy, and there it's actually a pretty fun podcast. The five minutes to kick off, guys. Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, I know I uh, know and have a chat with Nevitz every once in a while. I've been on. Um, he's uh, he's he's a good guy. We yeah. we'll meet at uh, Hot Lips Pizza just outside the uh, just outside Providence Park uh, before the games every once in a while. And he's also my uh, photographer for oh, nice. for the matches at Providence Park. So I've I've gotten to know him pretty well. I, I've yeah, always loved their podcast. Great podcast. Yeah, I've always I, I use I, and I still listen to. Oh well, John Strong's not doing it anymore. Um, the Talk Timbers podcast, but I, I, just because I listen to everything. Um, you were talking about that you view the teams. Is that ba- you don't look at the individuals? Is that based on you being a youth coach, or is that just who you are? Uh, you know, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think that's that's a combination of being a youth coach and not really being a player that much. I mean, I played intramural when I lived in England. Um, but but as a youth coach, I mean, you know, and, and this kind of gets back to, to my article about Colorado Rapids. You know, 
Mastrolini's got a, a leadership responsibility. Every head coach does. Um, and, you know, one player missing, you know, tactics need to change if one player is missing and they've got a set amount of influence. And, and you know, the <coughs> the indicators to me, after looking at the English Premier League teams and La Liga and Bundesliga and Major League Soccer, their indicators didn't change, which told me Mastroini didn't change. And, you know, I could say the same thing about Dominic Kinnear. Kinnear. Last year, his tactics didn't change. But let's look at Caleb Porter. After game nine, his tactics changed. And then after game 24, his tactics changed again. And that's clear. And Caleb actually, off, off the record, he, he actually had a chat with me, and he said, you nailed it. He said, we did exactly what you talked about. We did. We started to drop deeper. Now, we didn't get into the details if it was game eight or game nine, but, but he made a tactical change. And, and so that's about the team. That's not about a player. And, and I don't know if I got that from being a head coach in, in soccer or basketball, for that matter, or if it's because I'm just an analyst and I have been an analyst for for over thirty years with the military. So, because um, when you know from a military standpoint, you think big, you think sixty thousand feet or thirty thousand feet. Um, does that answer your question? That's probably too much. Probably more. Than no, no, no. That's just fine because I was kind of filling for time too. But no, I was kind of <laughs> I was kind of wondering about that because I've noticed with youth soccer coaches that they think of more of the team than of an individual player. Because my, on my U14 team, I have a kid that is going to be good. That is going to be worth That is going to be worth it. That is going to be really worth it. If he, if he gets proper coaching and stuff. So, well, well, here, here's a, a thought for you. If you got a really good kid, and you know, I'll kind of volunteer a few coaching tidbits here, if if, if they're worthy. Um, I'll let other others judge, I guess. But um, you know, for me, the best player was in the center of the pitch because that's mm-hmm. the position that gets the most touches. Um, and then the next two best players are you, your fullbacks. As yeah. alien as that sounds. And why is that? Because they're the next two players, or actually the first two players in some cases, who have the most touches. And the more touches you have, the more influence you have. I mean, you know, that, that just goes without saying. So, um, you know, that that's kind of how to build a team. And then you want somebody with a real good, strong ego as a striker, because you don't want them to be afraid of making the decision to strike the ball. Um and that's kind of how how I worked things out, and then built built from the defense going forward after that. But um, you know, sometimes it, it's like when I look at the Red Bulls again. There's a team that didn't change tactically this year. Uh, now they did make the playoffs, but but they ended up losing out. Um, New England tactically they changed this year. Um, Seattle tactically changed throughout the year. Uh, you can pick waves on how Seattle's tactics changed based upon who they were playing on a regular basis. With with LA, they're they're kind of like the Barcelona 
of MLS where they didn't really need to have a lot of tactical change other than maybe their formation with respect to to attacking, but the defense really didn't change and their possession percentages didn't change. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting. I think Owen Coyle will bring change to Houston, and I think he'll bring change not only from a tactical standpoint, but he'll obviously bring change with his Scottish accent. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, we're coming up on the last four minutes of the last show of the year. I want to thank everybody that's been on this and what was the previous incarnation of the show. Um, I do want to thank Keith Kokinda for getting me through for most of the year and Chris for bringing more stats and geniusness to to the show um next year is going to be a lot more fun um we're going to bring more people more more coaches a lot more fun and we're probably going to be doing some giveaways if you if you want to get involved get a hold of either of us um also you're you're going to see a lot more of us on twitter and facebook obviously because we both have the account um and next year's going to be a lot more fun. We don't we don't unfortunately have the World Cup with us this year, but we're we're going to have we're going to have a lot more we're going to have uh we're going to have a lot more fun with it. And as Chris said, he's lining up some um youth coaches and I will have my youth coaching license hopefully in the next month. So anyway, um anything else you want to say before we before we cut off? Uh, no, I'll just uh, Stephen have have a great holiday. Um, I'll I'll be trying to set up some dates for the the head coach from that uh, major college, as well as uh, the head coach of a youth academy, as well as head coach from a PDL side, and maybe somebody from England that's actually got Premier League experience as well as uh, Championship League experience. We'll, but I'll keep I'll keep a lid on that. So so take care and, and my best wishes to everybody that's out there listening. Have a great holiday, and uh, we'll see you in the new year. Yeah, we'll we'll see you in the new year, and we will. This podcast will be up within the next thirty seconds, folks. Good night, folks. Good night. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.